Hello and welcome to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 159. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about, lots of game reviews. We've been pretty busy with the uh, Biomass crew here, playing a lot of games, going to give you our feedback, so we'll get to that in a bit here. But let's start off with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I am uh, playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm lately. That's about it. Got a new character coming out for that one, right? Yeah, uh, Malfiel from Diablo. Yeah, you, you, you haven't played Diablo three though, have you? So no, I've never played. Know. I've never played Diablo three. I know nothing about the character or how how to pronounce it. Obviously, um, it's just uh, I you know play the game. Um, the the heroes game. All right, okay, Bait, you're up, man. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Bait, and after finding some microphone issues, I have finally decided to join the podcast again. It was it was bad. He sounded like he was gargling pixels or something. I, I don't even know what was going on. Dude, you should have heard me last week. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. You actually sound pretty good for the phone app, so I'm impressed. Yeah, I am too. Okay. All right. And Jay, you're up. Hey, guys. It's Jason, and uh, I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast. And this is episode 159. And the only thing I got on 159 is that was actually a model of Alfa Romeo, uh, like sports sedans, like a couple of years ago. I just remember seeing it from Top Gear, and that's about it. So that, that's it's kind of weak sauce this week. So that's all I got for the number 159. All right, sounds good. And I'm Pokey Draven. Obviously, help host the show here. I write the blog a lot, much to Zell's makes. He has to edit all my stuff. Uh, and I've uh, been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV in prep for the Stormblood expansion coming out on uh, the 16th of early access. So, looking forward to that. But we have got some good stuff coming up here. So, uh, Zell, you're the one that went and saw Wonder Woman this weekend, right? Best movie DC has made in the last nine years. Not a very high bar, but was it actually good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, it was very good. There were a lot of um, just well-done characters. Um, it, it, it had a lot of good, witty comedy without losing the much more serious tone that DC is striving for. Um, just just well done all around. I was impressed. I actually, I didn't know, um, you know, they kind of say who the villain is, uh, like, right at the beginning, but... I didn't actually I didn't actually know which actor was the villain uh until until you know later in the movie and that it was it, it was well done it was very well done I enjoyed it so, so my my understanding now I haven't seen it yet I'm, I'm pretty keen to see it this week but the uh my understanding is it had kind of a Captain America you know first Avenger kind of feel to it is that more or less where you uh, kind of categorize it a little bit I I, I would I would say they went you know, I mean, so one of the big things is that they changed. Uh, Wonder Woman is actually supposed to have an origin story in World War II, just like uh, Captain America, and they moved it to World War One for this picture. Um, and uh, you know, I think that went that was uh, probably a good choice. Um, I've seen probably enough World War II set superhero type story things. Um, it, you know, I I I don't know if I'd say it felt like captain america it, it really didn't um but uh but it was good it was you know i i thought kind of some of the book ending they they bookended a bit with the the uh present day universe uh not a lot but just just a little tease um but uh you know no it's it, it's a different thing now i know part of it kind of takes place on like the island and then the other part is during the world war one about what percentage of the film it was like how how do they break that up? Like, is it like a lot of it, like in the the island, or is it kind of just front ended and then that's it? I'd say maybe the first quarter of the movie. Okay. 
I mean, there's there's a decent chunk of it. They got to explain the backstory, you know, the, you know how, how she meets Steve Trevor and this and that. Um, but kind of kind of once that those two worlds come together, uh, that's very much it. You know, they're they're done in in uh, on the mascara in like what five minutes after that. So it actually it felt it it, it seemed kind of weird to go from like that that almost like a Thor esque you know picturesque city setting to world war one um it it was it was a jarring change and i I, but i think that that played well to the story yeah i imagine that kind of be intentional i mean it's kind of a part of it is kind of her coming from like in the trailer i know she's like oh yeah this is london she's like it's it's awful here like because it's you know it goes from this very lush beautiful island to you know uh kind of a monochrome uh world war one-esque you know uh london which is you know obviously at the time it was it was pretty pretty rough there so i, I imagine that, that that jarring transition was probably a, a choice in the director which i, I imagine i played out pretty well yeah i i absolutely recommend it um i, I i'm very curious i i want to reach out to uh cc Piratati and see what he thinks because i know he's been a big fan of the dc movies and this one's like actually <laughs> an actually a good movie so you know so hopefully he's he, thrilled he's from iceland they don't do happy and smiles that's not a thing so this is probably a little different for him. <laughs> it's not a happy, smiley movie, though. It's it's. I mean, there is some good humor in it, but it's it. I I still I was Compa- compared to anything else DC's put out. This is probably like an episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think this is probably the first time that you can really see the form them getting the formula right, though. So yeah, no, I'll um, buy that. My my hope is that they can uh, they can continue with that. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, I know, uh, you know, next up is, uh, Justice League and I guess Joss Whedon has been involved as this is kind of news we haven't talked about here is that, uh, Joss Whedon was kind of behind the scenes working on some of the reshoot work, uh, with Zack Snyder and then, uh, Zack Snyder stepped down and, uh, Joss is kind of finishing it up. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll, maybe he can make sure that, uh, the movie's up to par. We'll see. Well, that, yeah, that's definitely really tough really tough uh, news for why Zack Zach Snyder left. I mean, basically his, his daughter committed suicide is, uh, is apparently the word. So uh, you know, kind of really thoughts go out to his family, but that's a, yeah. that does explain a lot about some of the odd news that's been coming out uh, describing what's been going on with that film. Well, I mean, I is from what I hear, Joss was already involved before all that happened. He was just, you know, they had brought him in kind of as a second opinion and, uh, you know, so he was already kind of involved at that time that whole incident occurred, and um, so it just kind of made sense for him to pick up when when Zach was like, you know, I I need to go home. Yeah, no, I mean that, that does makes that does make some sense. Um, I, I did pick up a couple interesting things about the um, the Wonder Woman movie. You know, uh, as I tend to do, I look for random facts, and uh, apparently, quite a few of the Amazons in the uh, Timisera scenes. Those are actually Olympians and like professional athletes. Just thought that was kind of interesting. It look, looks pretty good. Actually, you know, about the four and a half, five minutes of that I saw on uh, you know random YouTubery uh, this afternoon. It looks pretty good. And, and based on your recommendation, I'm definitely kind of interested to see it. Uh, I do know that Joss Whedon's moving on to do Batgirl. That was announced this week. So he he's locked in to do a DC movie and he he's, will He's like switched sides. Batgirl. Well, yeah, I think he, I think he was starting to get constrained by what was going on with Marvel. Dr- Marvel drove him batty, and he switched sides. 
Your your ability to throw puns is is needs to level up a couple. Wait a minute. Oh god. I, I that was not intentional, I swear. That Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, sure, that, I I was not I I I'm sorry. I apologize. That was bad. We're we're aware. So, <laughs> I, I guess my uh, my general question like uh you know, where would you generally score the uh, Wonder Woman movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Like probably probably an 8, 8 and a half. All right, that's pretty solid. I mean, that's definitely sounds like it's worth the price of admission, which is, you know, definitely something that uh, we think we want to see in a DC movie. Uh, now, I'm curious, were there any uh, towards like probably maybe the back half of the movie any uh, references or sort of tacit links to any of the other DC flicks? Um, not 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 a not not, a, not really. No, I mean there was. I mean, the whole thing, as I mentioned, there's a little bit of bookending around it with, uh, you know, with Bruce Wayne, because I'm, the the bookending scenes kind of wrap around, um, take place after the Batman v Superman movie, where obviously they, they know who each other is, is but that's about it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, what's his face? Um, ben Affleck is not actually in this movie, even as a cameo. There is no after credit scene. And a theater theater employee actually confirmed this. I was really mystified. Well, it's a, it's a there's DC there's, movie though. DC has had after aren't. there there usually are actually there there was um oh, yeah. yeah the the like Suicide huh? Squad had one that had Ben Affleck in it for example um yeah what yeah oh, fuck I missed that one then always good job wait for oh. the end, buddy always oh, see that if you think it's gonna be there you always gotta wait for the end. But like everyone was bat- leaving the Wonder Woman movie, my friend said, "No, there's actually no after credit scene on this one." And I'm like, "There's gotta be." And then a theater employee who was there cleaning up was like, "No, there is no after credit scene. You can go." Yeah, because someone on the Discord was actually saying like, "Oh yeah, but there wasn't a, a an after credit scene on my on my showing. There must be something wrong." And I was going to ask you if there was one because if if you actually missed something, but I'll have to let him know that there was nothing to uh, to miss. So that's that's a shame, but uh, you know. All right, so we'll probably we'll see if we can get some more people there to go see it, and then a couple of weeks we'll probably do kind of more of a, a spoilerific review and uh, and get back with some of that. But uh, this sounds pretty good, so I do appreciate the uh, the spoiler free review on that one. It does sound like it's it's definitely worth seeing, so I'll, I'll go see if I can try to check that one out uh, in the next week or two. So moving along, uh, in a couple of weeks there's this little thing that's happening called uh, E3. If you're not familiar, I don't know why you're not list- why you're listening to this. Show. <laughs> because it's a pretty big deal and we kind of wanted to kind of go around the table here and uh you know there's obviously some confirmed some implied some hinted things that are going to be at e3 and i just kind of want to get your guys thoughts on you know predictions things you're looking forward to any particular titles you're eager to see uh, trailers that sort of thing so gonna kind of open it up to the floor and uh just you know what are you looking forward to at e3 this year uh definitely um some assassin's creed um, I think that, you know, with, uh, w- with, you know, the game supposedly, I think coming out next year, um, from, from what all reports would say that, that I, I would hope to see at least a tease of the game. So, uh, that I'm looking forward to. I think this is the first time in ever that I'm actually looking forward to more Call of Duty gameplay. So that'll be cool. And then, uh, of course, Red Dead. It'll probably get delayed again, just to spite you. <laughs> hey, no, fuck off. <laughs> it'll, it'll come up with this, you know, big prairie scene. These cowboys walked up, and he looks at the screen and goes, partner, you gotta wait a while. And it goes to black, and Bate just starts freaking out in his room and, and screeching. <laughs> and, 
I will punch something if that's the case. That will make me very well because it, it's been delayed and they have not given a new release date. Um, they, they're just basically saying we're going to make you wait as long as we need to to get Red Dead Redemption Two out. So you know, I mean, hang tight. I think it was said last week. I I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, um, I know this for a fact was said last week, but Rockstar really is known for well polished games. Uh, the last thing that I think anybody wants is is for the game to come out too hurriedly we've seen already you know this year uh the detriments that have come for that i'm looking at you mass effect um so honestly they can take as long as they'd like i would rather it come out this fall but if it needs to come out quarter one of next year then yeah whatever that's fine did they give a reason for it being delayed just out of curiosity just it wasn't ready yet they felt that it it wasn't the quality standards they they wanted and just it's the standard, you know, that's what they always okay. say. I mean, it could could it be true, it could not be true, who knows. But, you know, uh, I'd rather them get it right rather than push it out too, too quickly. Oh, yeah, most of So for Assassin's Creed now, this is the uh, Assassin's Creed Origins? Is that what they're calling it? Or is that just a rumor? Uh, Empires, I think is... Oh, is, is Empires. Um, yeah, I think... I don't remember if that's the actual title or if that's, a, a, like, a, a development name. Um... I would be pretty confident in saying that that, that is going to be the uh, of the game. And teasers kind of point to that it might actually be uh, ancient Egypt. Is that the, the setting they're trying to go for for that one? If the rumor mill is to be believed, um, and Assassin's Creed is notorious for having awful leaks about their setting, uh, then yes, uh, ancient Egypt uh, is the um, is the setting. Um, I was kind of, you know, just on Wikipedia browsing through the history, uh, through the history timeline, and it's it really does not look that interesting. Um, if they pull it a couple of hundred years forward, then than what I looked at, I think the most interesting thing that you may encounter um, is uh, Sargon of Akkad in the twenty third century BC. Um, who basically uh, created the first uh, empire. Um, I, other than that, uh, I don't think Egyptian history is too terribly interesting, uh, even if you look at it from the book, but maybe that's just me. Well, that could still be pretty interesting. I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of stuff that could it could you know kind of dive into, and you know, there's especially with kind of the uh, advanced technological setting that Assassin's Creed is kind of. Uh, you know, gotten itself into it. It could be a cool tie-in with you know ancient Egypt and some of the stuff they built, which was, you know, oh, well beyond, fuck. well beyond what no. you would expect from that that, uh, no, that it, era. It just it just hit me though. Ancient Egypt. What do you people associate ancient Egypt and pyramids with? Fucking aliens, dude. Assassin's <laughs> Creed has been known to, to like. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here playing three right now, and I'm I'm wanting to kill myself. But like, dude, three is riddled with alien nonsense, and I I really hope that that's not a direction that they take. Uh, continue on, continuing on the I guess the in real life uh, portion of the game with this fucking alien bullshit. That shit's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I never finished three, so I I, I gave up before oh, I could finish it. But you're uh, doing yourself a service. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, people just skip three and go straight to four. I was like, ah, well, we'll see if I can ever get around to it. Um, but yeah, so that. Ubisoft has probably got some pretty good stuff lined up, and I guess that's probably a fair uh, a fair prediction. Uh, what about you, Zell? Anything you're looking forward to at E3? I'm not looking for anything in particular, so I'll just see what happens. 
How are you not looking forward to something? PC guy, and most of the stuff there's going to be console. It's just like, it's, you know, there are games and they announce them, and then I decide whether or not I'm going to buy them. And that's oh, really, it's really, uh, there's nothing I'm particularly looking forward to that, you know, I, I don't already know about or already have and just haven't played. Mass hey, Effect's Zell. already out, man. Hey, there's hey, there's Zell, nothing. Check this out. I'm, I, I know this is, I want you to do me a favor and kind of suspend your, uh, your reality of disbelief right now for just a moment. Pretend with me that we're not on a show and it's just me and you talking. This is me whispering to you. Hey, dude, you're on a podcast where we talk about games and shit and E3's a thing. So... Let's try this again. If there's anything you think you might want to hear or see if you were going to go to E3, what would that be? Yeah, no. This is what, what the we're hell, working, ladies and gentlemen, right here. Just, just, just go back to sleep, so I'll just forget about it. Just come back for your shout-out. It's E3, dude. You're supposed to be excited about something. E3 has gone so far downhill, man. No, dude, no. Some... Oh, it's not true. There's some it's good not true stuff at all. out there. Get out of here, man. A lot of companies don't even show up to E3 anymore. It's, it's all... No, they, they have their own no. thing, which is like, it's a tail end of E3. Like, yeah. Nintendo does their Nintendo, their treehouse or whatever, but it's like the last day of E3, so it's basically E3. It's just them doing their own thing. Well, and, and Sony has their thing in December now that they're doing PSX, I think? Yeah, they yeah. still show up to E3. Yeah, it's just, they still do E3, but they'll show up to, or they'll create their own little thing in a different part of the year so they can, you know, have a second big show to, to show stuff off. But no, E3 is a big deal. Well, what about you, Jay? Anything, anything that's popping out at you? Um, so if, since you just mentioned Sony, uh, I think I'm interested to hear if there's a release date for God of War, uh, the new, the new God of War entry. Mm -hmm. That, that would cool. be, that. that'd be probably one of the biggest things that I think that they would come up with in terms of like an individual game. Uh, they keep talking. They've teased uh, Bloodborne a couple times. Uh, I don't know what we might see from that. Uh, I am kind of interested to, to see if there's another uh, Death Stranding trailer or mention or something. I'm still I'm very much curious about that game. So they've they've done a really good job of trying to uh, confuse slash hype that one. Is that the the um, Norman Reedus naked yeah. baby thing? That's okay, the yeah. Kojima one. Yeah, that's yeah. Ko Kojima's being weird about it because he knows he can get away with it, and people will listen to every word well, he says. Well, it, it is making a lot of people, you know, quite interested in his game. That that's a that's a true statement. No, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Like uh, other than that, I those are probably the the bigger ones that I was kind of interested in, uh, just in terms of individual. Um, you know, kind of individual sort of IPs. I think we're going to hear a a lot about games coming to Switch. Uh, I, th I I suspect that now that Switch is really hit, Breath of the Wild has done very well. It would not surprise me if you get a lot of um, you know a big push by Nintendo to try to you know kind of capitalize on where they're at with that. So I, I think that's that is one I would definitely. Uh, I'd definitely take a look at. I'm kind of interested in, in what's, you know, what maybe some of the indies might do. Uh, I know Dice is—they've got some big properties coming out uh, that they're going to talk about. There's one game in particular that I'm very interested in by Red, uh, by Project Red, called uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That one I've seen a little bit about here and there. It looks really, really slick. Uh, you know, kind of definitely in my wheelhouse in terms of um, sort of the setting and the tone. So th there's a few, few out there. Uh, that I think are going to be pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, if, if I were going to say next big thing I really want to hear about, it's probably going to end up being 
Yeah, probably God of War. Uh, I, you know, Red Dead is a thing. Like I think we know. You know I mean, we know it's coming out probably in second quarter. Uh, second quarter eighteen is is my guess right now. Like or you know like either right before Christmas or shortly thereafter. Uh, I think they're really going to aim for a uh, Christmas release date uh, to try to get that one in. Because I think it was originally coming out in what October, right? That sounds about right. Yeah. So I, I think I think that one's uh, sunk. That one's sunk in. It's that one's going to happen. So it's really, you know, the ones that don't have release dates associated, that's what I'm kind of waiting to hear from is uh, is where they're going to be at on some of those. Yeah, I mean, Skyrim is. Skyrim? Oh, yeah, dude. Skyrim for Switch is going to be there uh, since Switch games were brought up. Are you sure? Because I, I don't know yeah. if they've been, have they actually confirmed that? Cause I know they, they talked about it, like they showed it some of the tech demos, but are they actually no, going to do it? I, I was under the impression that, yeah, they were going to do it. Okay. I can, okay. I can double check, though. No, I... I guess I'm maybe underestimating Switch's uh, no, cause hard it, work it has a release date. It has okay. a release date. It's coming I, I, this year. I would be way more interested if they would talk about like maybe a uh, a reboot or reimagined or refreshed, uh, whatever re word you like, uh, but a redone Metroid. Yeah, no, that it's a good opportunity to do because I mean, it, Metroid's a pretty pretty hardcore staple of Nintendo franchise, and and well, because the last thing they did, they handed it off to another studio for a while. Didn't work and well. No, yeah. it did not. It did not work well at all. <laughs> I think that the series kind of took a pretty pretty bad dip uh, for a while there. I think they need to kind of bring it back home, and I mean, they've got the tools to do some probably interesting mechanics. I mean, I know when Metroid Prime came out for. Uh, GameCube. Um, well, GameCube, and then and then they 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 ported it to the Wii, and then really added some cool mechanics, and that worked well with the Wii mode. You know that 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 was pretty pretty legit. Um, I I like to see what kind of creative ways they could use the Switch to to kind of make it work and be a little a little more unique compared to the other titles. Um, you know, you're making me think. Th- I'm thinking through something now that we're talking a little bit about the hardware pieces. I'm not expecting a lot of big hardware announcements, but. I have seen the the Microsoft VR ads popping up like more and more, and it wouldn't surprise me if that may be a feature at the Xbox Microsoft uh, area over in E3. You know, I I haven't re- I haven't seen it anywhere, but it, it absolutely wouldn't surprise me because it's about time for them to come out with one based on what Sony's been doing and everybody else, and they're certainly not going to not have one that they kind of publicly push. So I. You know they've already shown the, the 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 hardware live. I think at one of the like GDC or something like that. So I think that's it's about time for E3 that they're going to have a you know kind of a big showing for Microsoft uh, VR. Now, is that the Scorpio? I think I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Or the Scorpio was their their no, next no, 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 console. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. That's not it. It's um I can't I don't remember the name of it, but I've seen I have seen a picture of the. Uh, the Microsoft VR like I like uh, headset, so it's it, it'll be interesting to see kind of kind of if they do that. I think you're right. I think Scorpio may be what they're referring to as the next hardware piece. I don't is that is that a console or is that like a it's a like console? A, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a console, it'll be the slim X bone. I think it's more than that, buddy. I think it's I think it's supposed to be like huh? much higher, like, like almost like next like beyond like ps4 pro like maybe not like a full gen oh. whatever that means you know but i think it's meant to be a pretty big jump in in uh you know the technology there so is oh, this no gonna shit, be really? so is this gonna be l- like uh gonna spark a ps5 is that what you're thinking 
Uh, I don't know if they're ready for PS5. I think that I think that they they got PlayStation to play their hand with the the PS4 Pro, and then they kind of waited it out, and they're going to come out with something that's you know better, still plays Xbox One games and all the backwards compatibility and that I mean, stuff. But it's going to be you know. I I mean, really, the next I, I think we're either one one heart one console gen away, or maybe it's Scorpio might be it, but it's. These things are damn near Steam boxes now, anyway. I mean, it's. Oh yeah. It, it would not surprise me if Scorpio is essentially a, you know, like a PC that you just put under your fucking TV. This is weird. Okay, so I'm on Microsoft's page for Scorpio, and it looks like they're marketing it as a different console. Because I mean, just just the wording of this, right? The most powerful console ever, featuring six teraflops of graphical processing power. The fuck that means. True 4K gaming and compatibility with Xbox One games and accessories. It's a, it's a console. It's well, a yeah. console. I mean, what, yeah. what they're basically saying it it uh, you know it dunks on PS4 Pro, which you know got it. But that I mean that's a, so it's either a no kit and big boy console or it's uh, you know like I said maybe something to, maybe something kind of in the totally different realm. It's got a it's got a pretty heavy duty chipset. I, I was sitting there taking a look. I'm yeah. pulling it up as we're talking. I mean this thing's. It's definitely in desktop computer range. You know, just what? taking a look at it. What the fuck is a teraflop? It's you know? uh, yeah, it's like way way bigger than a a gigabyte. It's it's the next biggest thing. It, like my it's... like my my hard drive on my my computer I'm sitting here talking to you on has uh-huh. got like I got like ten teraflops of uh, of like raw storage. That's like every you're, movie I could watch you're... ever. You're killing me. I'm literally dying <laughs> over here. So what's a terrifying? So you'll I, talk about I, this, but you won't talk about anything that the show's about. <laughs> you you miss like spoke on technology. So the it's a compound I have word. Soiled Zell's ears. So yeah, <laughs> yes. So you were speaking of terabytes of storage because there's there's two halves halves of that word. The terra is kind of the the um scale like you know you've got your you know megabytes gigabytes terabytes petabytes etc and then the byte part refers to that it's a unit of storage whereas a teraflop terra is the same scale in terms of how many millions of things but uh flops refer to floating point operations per second so that's like um that's processing speed so you, you don't have teraflops of storage, you have terabytes of storage. But if you're talking about processing, oh. you talk about processing in terms of teraflops. Does it <laughs> make sense? Yeah. So this is going to come out holiday of 2017, according to uh, Microsoft. Okay, no, it's uh, definitely E3. It's, oh, yeah, it's going to be E3. It is announced at the Shanghai Surface event in May of this year that Scorpio is going to launch this year in China. If this is true, then this suggests a worldwide release that could be in the works for Microsoft's new console, and that comes from trusted reviews. Just just thinking out loud here. Um, so what if it's in, and I'll, I'll so if you're looking at what Microsoft's been doing lately, they've been making a lot of games that are both uh, Windows 10 and uh, Xbox One compatible. They're just you buy it, and it works on both of them. Um, so what if the Scorpio is not necessarily like the next? Um, not the next Xbox One, right? It's not the 
Xbox could, or whatever, but it's it's it's, a bridge, it's kind it's of a bridging console. Yeah, it, it's the halfway point between like a high end PC and a console, and it's that basically would be legit. a PC. And so it's like a let's say it's like it's like a six hundred dollar console. I mean, like an actual like right. that's what it's 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 scaled out as being like a six hundred dollar. It's better than a console, but it's not like an ultra high end PC. But it's something that's more that you can afford. You can get PC like graphics on it, uh, but it's going to perform at a higher scale than than what. Uh, your Xbox One is, and so it's like if you can fork over the extra two hundred bucks, and you can kind of fall, and they might even continue that line. Well, I mean, got, like, bear in Xbox mind, is like when it when they first release a game console, it's generally about comparable to a fairly standard, you know, baseline gaming PC as it is. It's the only reason consoles are seen as fall is as being slower or further behind in in is that they don't release one every year. And if you buy a new gaming PC, you're going to have this year's, you know, technology. Whereas if you buy a gaming console, you know, they only refresh those about every, you know, you know, five to seven years in a lot of cases. And so it's lower power. I I mean, I I don't think you, you have to talk about being more powerful than a console to equal a PC, but I do think you're right in that, um, Xbox will move more and more towards being like a PC, um, you know, they Windows Store apps are actually can flag themselves as being, you know, compatible with uh, be running on an Xbox and then Microsoft approves them and then you can use them on your Xbox. And a lot of Xbox games made for Xbox now work on Windows 10 PCs, but there's still the, the difference really is how you like to play, you know, like. I I enjoy playing playing. The only reason I played Dust on a console was because I could play it with a keyboard and mouse. I'm a keyboard and mouse player, and so to me it makes sense to buy a computer, regardless of the power involved. I just need that control scheme. That's what I'm comfortable with. Some people want to play on a big TV with a controller. The Xbox makes a lot more sense, and they're creating this environment where you can buy a game and play it wherever, including that you could potentially say. You know, have your Xbox, love playing your Xbox Xbox game, but maybe you're out, you know, out of the house, you've got your laptop with you, the game runs well enough on your laptop, you plug in a game, uh, a Xbox 360 adapter, you know, or, well, Xbox One controller adapter, whatever. I use Xbox 360 controllers around here, I've got a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, you sit there with an Xbox controller in your laptop and it's the same same thing. Maybe turn down the graphics a bit, you know? Well, and here's the thing: is that a lot of people like the console because it's uh, ease of use, right? So it's just you know, you just plug it in, it's good to go. You don't have to go through the effort of building a PC and and that sort of thing. And obviously, you can, buying you can you buy, can, you can a buy them, PC. but but your 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 pricing goes way up with that. So what if they offer? Okay, you buy your Scorpio, right? But it's actually got like upgradeability to it. So like it's a module you can actually swap out the graphics card with a new one when it comes out. So that, like every two years they release a new graphics card for your Scorpio. You can just pull out the old and stick a new one in, and now you're you know up to date. You are you have PC level expandability and upgradeability that comes out in a faster rate than them developing a whole new console every you know like you said seven years, which is kind of the cycle they go on. And so you stay more up to date um, with you know what will actually run on it. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely do that. I mean, it, in a way there's a, they, they kind of backdoor that now. I mean, there's already been, there's different iterations or uh, almost like point releases of the consoles now. So you, you could have some of that kind of activity going on. Either it's, you know, like I said, it's more, more upgradable. You can drop in like Ram or, you know, some, some kind of jazz like that or graphics card. Uh, you know, there, there's an, the other piece of this, like, you know, uh, one of the big things you get, you know, 
when you start really getting into into PC gaming is that there is a bit of a drive, I, I think, artificially induced by the market to, you know, to have these, you know, some really, really high end specs and you refresh it constantly for optimal performance. I mean, the reality is, though, the vast majority of games like there, there's a very, very, very small number of games that actually take full advantage of of a machine like that because they can't because it's not economically feasible for them to do so because they want to sell it to as many people as they possibly can. So that, that whole thing, like, you know, I thought about this for a long time, you know, and the, the idea that, uh, Hey, you can always have better games on a PC is, is not in, I think entirely, uh, entirely accurate in that just from an economic standpoint, the game developers will release games even on pc or wherever to a very wide swath of of capabilities because they want a very large market penetration for a given game now so from that angle if you look at the life cycle of a console and they have kind of those point releases in there they're not they're not as far off in terms of hardware capability in terms of gameplay ability as you might think i i, I don't believe anyway uh, now i do think though if if they're kind of going the way if scorpio is going this way towards almost that hybrid between a console and a, you know, a gaming PC, basically, uh, you know, that is, that to me seems like the natural progression of things. What, I, where I think actually is from a hardware standpoint, they absolutely can do that right now. The, the real issue becomes how do you access the content and is there cross play? There's really nothing that prevents you from having cross play now. Uh, in a lot of different, a lot of these different things, it's just, Activities are kept on different servers because they're often tuned differently. So balancing on a game, so you take a given game, Game X, if it's released on Xbox and PlayStation, it'll have different servers because they don't want cross-play because then you get into you know, some, some different economic pieces between Microsoft and Sony. But there's often slightly different pieces in terms of content. Like this is an Xbox exclusive. This is a, a Sony exclusive or whatever, or a PC exclusive. And that's really the only reason, ultimately, I think right now that they keep a lot of these type of games apart. A lot of, you know, particularly online generated games. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's quite a few other like smaller reasons stuff out there, but content generally seems to be the most public facing thing. But if this is a hybrid console or it's starting, again, starting to kind of go that way, that to me sounds like a very logical leap other than just kind of making these pure uh, console only activities. Uh, and, you know, there, there's really no reason that I can think of that you would want to stay in this model much longer, much past about one or maybe two more generations of, of consoles. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's the direction the market's going and it's just, you know, it, it's not going to make much sense. I mean, even now you've got, you know, the hardware so the hardware is, is already adopting a very PC like structure. So it's like they, they know that that's what works well. Um, and so kind of pushing more towards a, a single a single platform, I think, is probably going to be where it goes eventually. It's just a matter of kind of getting, I think, the, the console market to adopt it in a way that's not jarring where it's like, oh, yeah, we're all switching to PC now. Um, and so kind of these halfway steps of, of moving in that direction will kind of get them used to it. And I think that you'll probably have a, a more unified market uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're spot on. Uh, in terms of other E3 activities, I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not really sure. I can think of anything you know major or like pretty hard hitting that that'll come out there. So I, I think from a hardware standpoint, Microsoft, you know, probably has the most hardware oriented activity to to show. Uh, Nintendo is probably going to be how do they showcase the Switch and and 
push a bunch, you know, probably pushing quite a few titles on it. And then Sony is pretty much, I think, predominantly going to be really looking at uh, touting different IPs and probably trying to, you know, point out to quite a few people that, you know, the PS4 Pro is going to be a gaming console of choice for another couple of years. So uh, unless they've got something in their pocket, which I, I think we would have heard about by now, uh, but that if it, it will be mark my words less than one year from the time that Xbox puts out the Scorpio that, you know, PlayStation's next actual, you know, rival device comes out. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, what Microsoft comes up with and how Sony responds. I think it's going to be, uh, a real interesting next, uh, you know, five years or so while these things kind of develop. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be good stuff. All righty. Well, I think that's, that's probably what we've got going for E3. Um, we'll, we might touch on this again uh, next week as well. I know there's they, they like to release kind of early trailers and, and pre-show stuff, you know, ahead of time. So we'll buy stuff to talk about as well and kind of kind of touch on that again. But I do want to kind of go into uh, some of the game reviews. A lot of us have been playing a bunch of different games, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, so I'm actually going to start with Zell. Um, not so much a review, just kind of some news uh, for Overwatch. And since he's our, our kind of Overwatch correspondent, I'm going to hand this over to him to talk about the new map that they're coming up with. Oh, yeah. I did put this on the list. I completely forgot. Um, so, yeah, the, the new map is on the uh, Horizon Lunar Colony, which is um, kind of Winston's home station. Uh, they have a little bit of a video just introing it and a and, uh, little bit of story elements. They actually had... Um, uh, one of the earlier sh- animated shorts actually showed Winston as a, as a little tiny uh, gorilla growing up and on the moon base and with the scientist. They and so this is set there, um, and and that's that's really really all I have for that is is we're getting another new map. And when does that come out? They don't really. Blizzard never really specifies a date with this, um, but usually when they announce it, it means it'll be on the PTR within very shortly and uh available for play you know in a matter of weeks all right sounds good so um that's what we got for overwatch now uh i finally actually um finished playing resident evil 7 so i've i've completed the main story um there are two dlcs currently that are available that i'm going to be picking up and doing recordings of dungeon crawl for but uh in the next couple of weeks you will be able to see kind of the, the the finale of resident evil 7 kind of the main story but i did kind of want to talk about uh, my thoughts on it, especially since um, kind of my opinion of the series had dipped over the past few few uh, games, particularly, Res- particularly with Resident Evil uh, 6, um, had some serious issues. I only played through, I think, two of the stereos of the four storylines in 6 and just kind of got sick of it because it was completely over-the-top action you know, movie bullshit. It was completely far away from where the game started. So... When I originally saw the trailer for Resident Evil 7 uh, a couple of years ago, uh, at, at E3, I think it was, um, I thought it was actually a trailer for Silent Hills, the, what that Kojima was going to be working on. Um, and then it was like you know, Resident Evil 7. I was like, holy crap, Like this looks this looks fantastic. So um, I did pick it up. We have been playing it for the Dungeon Crawl series. And uh, you know, overall, I got to say, I'm just beyond impressed with, with what they managed to put together. Um, from the story being engaging and interesting, uh, I really like the characters. They open up a lot of really good questions, make you, you know, kind of wonder, uh, 
you know, what's coming next in the story. Uh, Livy and I would have, <laughs> even after the recording was off, we'd have lengthy conversations about, you know, what we thought the story was going to go and, and, you know, kind of twist it was going to have. And, you know, in the end, it was all just very well, very well wrapped up. The story was absolutely fantastic. Um, as for the gameplay, I have to say it's probably one of the best survival horror uh, games I've played in a long time. Uh, I was really, really impressed with the pacing. Um, in terms of, you know, you've got guns you find, you get bullets, and there's healing items and stuff like that, and there's some rudimentary crafting. Uh, but I was really impressed how the game, one, never really gave you enough stuff to kill or deal with every enemy you saw. You were encouraged that when you had the opportunity just to run away. Uh, you learned very quickly that the enemies can't open doors. Most of them can't, at least. So you uh, you learn to close them behind you, because you could just sprint past the guy, slam the door, and you're, you're probably okay until you have to go back into that room, which they love making you do. But I never felt like um, I had enough resources to deal with everything like you would in the previous games where you could pretty much just go guns a blazing through the whole game and, and, and succeed. At the same time, I always felt like I wasn't completely starved for, for resources. I felt like I, I did have ammo. I just had to be very conservative in how I used it. Um, I would get healing items at a good pace. Uh, you know, I, I really wasn't, you know, you couldn't get hit a lot, but you were, you know, you had enough to, to survive the stuff that you probably couldn't really avoid or, under normal play would actually get hit by. So um, I only really started to see, uh, you know, kind of a surplus of items right at the very end of the game, just because like in the last, very last segment, they, they pretty much load you up with, with uh, supplies kind of for the final fight and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, aside from that part, extremely well paced uh, story was very well paced. Um, things kind of come out in a nice, you know, very nice, even fashion. I didn't feel like any part of the story was particularly rushed. Uh, the way they deliver the information was was very well done. Um, they they kind of give you little hints of what's going on, and you kind of work your way through the game. And then probably about uh, about ninety percent of the way through, you they kind of give you this massive info dump of okay, if you figured it out, you'll probably know most of this. But you know, look at all this information. This is this is what's actually going on. So now go finish the game with the knowledge of of what's happening. So you know that's that that was really well done. Um, Great setup for for future games. The ending is is really interesting. I won't spoil anything, but if you're a fan of the series and you understand the characters and what kind of factions they're part of and that sort of thing, you're going to be very confused by the ending, and it's going to make you want to know more. Um, so I, I know they're already working on Resident Evil uh, Eight. Uh, they got plans for that. They kind of they got that in production. Um, kind of while they finish up some of the story DLC that they're going to be doing for Seven. Um, but you can tell they've got plans of where they want to take this series, and and I think it's it's absolutely 100% revitalized my my enthusiasm and my hope for the series. I think they took it in a great direction. Um, you know, just overall, absolutely fantastic. So, you know, if, if you were thinking about getting it, um, if you've been watching our Dungeon Crawl series at all, or if you're just a fan of the series and kind of dropped off after the last couple games, absolutely go pick this one up. It's it's a very, very solid 9 out of 10 for me. It's it's probably one of the best games I've played in a couple of years. So really highly suggest you, uh, you give Resident Evil 7 a shot. So that being said, uh, we do do kind of our weekly, um, you know, free game through PS Plus or Xbox Gold. Unfortunately, when I had a chance to play, the uh, PlayStation games for the month of June were not out yet, but I did pick up a different game that has actually been out for quite a while, and it's available on both PC and uh, PS4. And I'm not sure if it's on Xbox or not. I probably imagine it is. Uh, but it's a game called uh, Blacklight Retribution. And so this is a free-to-play uh, first-person shooter. Um, you know, it's 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 free, so that comes with kind of the, the monetization you might expect. Um, it's probably kind of my 
the biggest part that kind of turned me off was uh, you're kind of locked into this hard grind of progression. Like it's just grind out currency and eventually you can buy a new gun and, or a new suit, that sort of thing. Um, and that was probably kind of the biggest negative for me. It's, it's, it doesn't really appeal to me. Just I like having a little more free progression with, you know, the side options being paid. Uh, but, you know, to each his own, that's, that's kind of personal preference. Um, but overall, the, the gameplay was was decent. Um, it reminded me quite a bit of uh, Ghost in the Shell First Assault, if you played that on PC. Uh, kind of a similar setting. It's kind of a futuristic, grungy, you know, urban setting. Uh, but uh, it's kind of got that overall feel, kind of this high sci-fi sort of deal. You're kind of wearing this... Uh, the sci-fi suit with a big helmet and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, the, the gameplay is, is, you know, it's, it's decent, you know, it's not the best most polished shooter out there, but it's, it's pretty good for a free to play game. Uh, plenty of game modes. There is PVE and PVP. Uh, I think there's only one PVE game mode and it's more or less like call of duty zombies, uh, to be honest, uh, just kind of various enemies, you know, coming at you in waves and you can kind of upgrade and, and do that sort of thing. Um, and you just kind of last as long as you can. And then you can eventually, if you last long enough, you complete the mission and get your currency and, and that sort of thing. So that's done like in a team of four. Um, I think there were like 12 other game modes that kind of rotate through different maps. Uh, I think all of those were, were PVP. I didn't get a chance to try all of them, but uh, there, there were a few that kind of varied in, in group size. There's kind of a, you know, uh, Rainbow Six Siege kind of style thing where it's like, you know, 5v5 and it's, you know, you get one death and that's it. There's no revive, something like that. Um, and then there's kind of more like a capture the flag sort of deal. There was a, um, you know, capture the point, which is kind of like a skirmish from dust or, or other games where you have to, you know, capture, you know, one of three points to hold them to get, you know, points and eventually you, uh, you win the match. Uh, so a bunch of different options to play. Like I said, tons of game modes. Uh, queue times were actually pretty good, uh, despite it being a pretty old game. I don't think I waited for more than you know, three minutes for a match, so that's that's more than reasonable. Um, overall, that was that was pretty enjoyable. Uh, the customization is actually kind of a major point that people kind of directed me towards, and they said you should try this game. It, it's got customization like dust. Uh, I will say it's got a lot of customization. It's definitely not like dust though, and <laughs> not quite that involved. Um, Kind of as a general general uh, uh, structure of how they do it, it's basically like you've got your armor, which is like a helmet, a top, and a bottom, and that kind of modifies you know some differences. Like you know you've got more speed, less speed, uh, more defense. Some armor has uh, the ability to carry more gear. Uh, gear is stuff like grenades, uh, melee weapons, um, different stuff like that. So you can kind of mix and match and kind of figure out what do I want to bring with me and, and kind of tweak the stats. The guns are very custom, customizable. You've got stocks, scopes, uh, you know, uh, receivers, magazines, uh, special kinds of ammo, that sort of thing. Pretty standard fare for for FPSs these days. Um, and those are all, you know, you can buy attachments, and it's kind of the same model that you've got with the guns and stuff. It's you got to grind the currency, and you can eventually buy it. Uh, one interesting part that I did kind of like how they handled uh, what I'll call power-ups, and it's basically special weapons. Um, these things called hard suits, which are basically uh, exosuits that you can call in. Uh, they're equivalent to like a vehicle in, in DOS, basically. You can kind of roll around. And you're very tough to kill. Um, usually the special weapons you buy are used to kill the hard suits. So it's kind of that, that play. And the way that they kind of balance that is that as you get kills, as you assist, as you capture points, you get order effectively like war points. I forget what they actually called it in the game. But then you expend those war points to call in these assets. And so uh, you don't see like hard suits flying around all the time. You'd see maybe like two or three in a match. Um, and, and they, they, you know, they're strong, but they're, they're killable. You know, the, uh, anti hard suit weapons are actually much, much cheaper to buy than the vehicles themselves. So you can, you know, 
try a couple times as you as you get mowed down. It it wasn't um, too overbearing. I think it felt pretty good, um, and I kind of like the system of you know you can get this really strong upgrade, but you have to do well in the match doing your respective role if that's doing damage, killing, healing, whatever. Um, and you can call these assets in. So that was that was actually pretty enjoyable. That's that was actually a pretty good idea. I did like that. Um, one major feature which uh, you may or may not like is. Uh, basically the ability that you've got this meter that charges up and you flip it on and it literally lets you see through walls and spot enemies. So the game is largely based around kind of not so much the gunplay, but it's more of kind of moving around and catching the other guy off guard because chances are he can see you coming if he's looking at you through a wall. And there are some limiting factors. You can't just look through walls constantly. But I did find it was much more about, you know, just kind of sneaking around and being quick to, to, to flank people and actually get the jump on them because that was usually how you got the kill uh creeping around a corner usually got you killed because they saw you coming long before you came around the corner so you may or may not like that um i was kind of mixed on it. It, it it worked in my favor sometimes it definitely didn't in others so i don't really know how i feel about that but if you complain about wall hacks and dust um this is absolutely literally wall hacking um so you know you kind of have to see if you like that uh for yourself or not but uh yeah overall it was you know it was it was decent um if you're really bored and kind of want a, a game that's got a decent amount of customization and you kind of want to scratch that itch while you wait for Project Nova to come out, if it ever comes out, uh, this might be worth your time to kind of take a look at and, and see if it's your cup of tea. But uh, yeah, I'd probably give it like, a, I don't know, maybe like a six and a half out of ten. You know, not not fantastic, but it's it's above average. I've seen other FPS freebie games do much worse. So definitely worth a, a shot if you're if you're kind of looking for something to kind of fill a gap. And that game is not on Xbox. It's not okay. Yeah, it, it is, is on, it's on Steam and it is on on PS PS4. And you don't need PS Plus to play that, by the way. It is available free to everyone. Um, just so you're aware. All right, so that's that's my review of uh, Blacklight Retribution. Now I know that Jason actually uh, the other week was trying out another free to play game on PlayStation uh, Four, and I think we've actually reviewed it a little bit in the past. But he, I was going to have him give his thought his thoughts on the game Hawken, which is kind of the uh, uh, mech, uh, you know, mech combat sort of deal. So, uh, Jason, you want to talk about Hawken for a bit? Yeah, sure. So, uh, it it is a first person style game. Uh, it's a mech game. Uh, it, it is. It was on PC, I think, three years ago, maybe on well, maybe four years ago now. Uh, and the first time I saw it was on Steam, actually, and I was kind of surprised. Again, this is kind of that. Ongoing theme of you'd be surprised what you can find when you just search on PlayStation Plus, and you'll find a lot of the same things you see in your Steam library or uh, floating around on Steam. So, free to play game uh, has mechs. You know, thought I'd give it a whirl uh, since we we do try out quite a few free to play games. It looks like a game that's about four years old. Um, it plays fairly well. There is no campaign mode to it. It's straight PvP. Uh, there's a little bit of PVE that you can do, which is basically um, like a random group of players versus AI mechs. Uh, the mechs themselves, like so the environments and the arenas are actually relatively well done. They're definitely kind of a different design take than what you might might have seen in something like uh, Titanfall or you know you know that kind of stuff. Uh, it moves a little bit more clunkier. Kind of that. There's definitely some weight to the mechs when you move. It's it is not a overly visually impressive game uh but it definitely is a well-supported free-to-play uh free-to-play offering so generally you're on this planet it's been turned into kind of a big battle planet it's it's very thin in the lore of the backstory but 
suffice it to say you get a bunch of mechs. And when I say a bunch, there are a bunch that you can actually access that have a variety of different functions and roles, different types of weapon systems, things like that, as you can you could you know probably imagine. It's uh it's not an armored core kind of feel. That's much more it's much more smoother, almost Gundam. I almost said Gundam style. It's more Gundam style. <laughs> uh, but it's it it is a fun game uh, if you are really, really, really into that niche. So if you play like MechWarrior Online, which is a, a fantastic kind of MM, you know, online, you, you know, style style event, very World of tanks but in the Battletech universe, actually the MechWarrior universe, this uh, is a pale comparison of that. Now, that being said, for a free-to-play game, it, it's actually, it can be kind of fun. It's a good diverting you know, kind of thing. If you want something different to do, you don't like tanks, you don't like this, you love that, and you just want to try something a little bit different. It's uh, it's not a bad offering. It's reviewed well, with the caveat that you know it's a smooth gameplay. It's very simple gameplay, uh, and can be a lot of fun. And there's not a lot of craziness. There's not a lot of figuring out that you need to do. Just you have to experiment with the weapons a little bit to see how they work. But again, it's about four years old, so you kind of get what you you get what you pay for, which is not you know. In some cases, not much, or it's high value. It kind of really depends on your point of view. And that one is on the Xbox. Yep. Now, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, now, that being said, I could use this as a, as a pretty good segue to talk about a different Mac game if you want to. Let's do it. Okie dokie. So, you guys have heard us talk about Battletech. Uh, the, it's a turn-based tactical shooter, very XCOM-y in nature. Uh, well, Hairbearing Screams has released their beta. Uh, and I am in possession of a beta key. And if you want to see the gameplay, there are a ton of videos out right now. And uh, I can give you my initial impressions of it. So the, the beta is going to be out for, they said, about a month. So they're going to have a pretty extensive beta. Uh, the first thing I will, I will say is that this game... Now, so let me put this in context. I, I play a lot of games that are in beta. Uh, to, you know, kind of for your first look review and initial impressions and things like that, you know, try the game out, so to speak. Well, beta for a lot of games is literally all we, the game is done. We're not really going to do anything. We might, might tweak something if it's a critical, a critical error. But what we really want to do is just get you to try the game enough where you like it, then you'll buy it. That's, that's really what they are. And they're, they're not so much about the testing component of what a beta really is. That's actually the meaning of beta. So all that being said, my general thought is that they've released this game in exactly the state that you would like it to be in for a beta test, which is to say uh, the only thing that I've seen that needs to get adjusted to this game and it's really it's somewhat based on preference, somewhat based on like how what your style is. It's all of the numbers in the spreadsheets that deal with like balance in terms of how the weapons function, how the heat works, how the how the stability functions work. There are there's not a lot of glitches in the game. Now there's some, but there's a very detailed list that HBS keeps, uh, and they've already generally identified most of them. To, to be honest with you. Now, as, as the month goes on when the beta is out, they'll obviously probably find some more, but let me just be very clear. 90% of what I can see, uh, and I've been playing pretty heavy for the last three days, and what I, I've gathered that the a very active and very astute forum community uh, or online community can, can pull 
is that this is really all about tuning numbers, literally. There's no, you know, mechs falling through mountains or wonky graphics or, you know, any of that kind of craziness. There's none of that. And even the balance issues, the game is that the combat is very, very playable right now. Very playable. Uh, they're what they're really talking about is how do you make it better or how do you uh, capture more of the tabletop Battletech experience? Because remember, this is based on a game from you know about 30 years ago, but I mean it's still active, it's still being played, but it was originally a tabletop slash you know kind of Dungeons Dragons style RPG game. Uh, so that's my first comment is they've released this in its beta state in exactly where you want it to be, where you're fine tuning gameplay, not mechanics. So on that note, I'll kind of break this down real quick. I'll talk visuals, sound, and then gameplay itself. Uh, the visuals, incredible. Uh, for a Kickstarter game that is, you know, grand total probably, you know, probably around three and a half million, you know, something like that. Less than that, most likely. Absolutely phenomenal visuals. That level of detail is uh, stunning. It, you would absolutely think that this was this was coming out of you know a AAA studio somewhere. Uh, phenomenal, small details, little things they got right. And it's one of those you it it all blends so seamlessly. You know, there's a lot of times when you see like a visual effect that a game will try to highlight it for you to show you how cool it is. That's they actually take a very different tact here. Everything, all their small animations work really well. The scenery is really really well done the terrain is really well done it's very seamless uh it, it's very it, there's a lot of variations in it uh the artwork itself in terms of the mechs is phenomenal uh really 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 high detail when you zoom in on them uh the effects themselves like everything from weapons to uh, how it feels and looks when you see the mechs moving there's definitely weight to it and each mech feels differently all the weapons sound differently. There's different variations of the same type of weapon, so that they can have like uh, like auto cannons, you know, like you know the big kind of machine gun cannons, and there will be different styles of them based on the different manufacturers. So almost kind of Eve like, you know, where you have the different, you know, like different styles of like like uh, you know rail guns or whatever. They have different firing rates and X, Y, and Z, but the performance ultimately will be the same. But it's it's really more about the uh, the tone that they put out. Outstanding. Uh, the particle effects are, are really good. Pieces of mechs fly off and they stay on the ground for the rest of the fight. When a mech falls over in the water, it looks great. The water looks good. Everything about the game visually looks really, really sharp. Uh, and there's, like I said, there's a lot of small details. So the mechs themselves, for example, hug the terrain really well. So when they're moving, they're their movements and animations match what you would expect them to be doing on the terrain. Like if they're walking up an incline, it looks as though they are, they are sticky on the, they're not like, you know, their feet are flat and they're just kind of like moving over a, you know, sort of a, uh, like moving upstairs almost uh, where they're like only their, their toe is touching the, you know, the side of the hill and their whole, the whole mech looks as though it is walking up with its feet, you know, glued to the, you know, glued to the, the side of the hill moving up. It's little things like that. Or when a mech takes a, a heavy hit, it'll move its it'll move its body like it's bracing against the wind or against some kind of force. There's all these little tiny touches visually that are spectacular. Um, the animations, again, really, really solid. Uh, 
they're pretty varied too, particularly in terms of melee and, and variety of other things like that. Uh, Death from above, like their jump jet attacks, things like that. Really solid. Not, um, I mean, there's always some improvements you can make, but to be honest with you, it's it's quite quite good. Uh, so for sound, uh, a lot of people are kind of be you know not beefing, but they're they're asking you know, for different options for sound. Like, hey, can I turn the music off? Things like that. The music is actually really good. It's got great tone music, but you're only hearing like one piece during the beta. Uh, it's like this kind of um, you know cello music that is like you know really kind of Game of Thronesy kind of sounding. So it doesn't really it's not really like combat amp you up music, but it's definitely like neat mood music for the you know like for the starter screen or the the uh, all the different uis that you're going through to set your match up and uh, maybe part of the initial uh initial fight so the, reportedly they're really really proud of the soundtrack on this but it, what that tells me is they've they're really only showing us a little bit so i'm kind of interested to see what that that's going to be like but it's actually well done what there is of it it's well done the sound effects themselves quite solid uh you know, again, you hear the mechs moving. It really adds to the tone. The visuals and the sound blend together really, really well. Uh, all the weapons have really distinct sounds, and the different types of weapons have, you know, like or different variants of the weapons, so to speak, in the same class. They've got some unique sound to them as well. Uh, the voice acting is pretty good. It's actually a little bit comical. Quite a few of the voice actors, uh, there are there are voice actors in it, like professional voice actors. Uh, from around generally the Seattle area, but a lot of them are also members of the studio. <laughs> and there's a couple of them you can absolutely pick out that you you know you've heard on some of their live streams, uh, which is pretty good. But they, they all did a really good job. Uh, so for gameplay, which is kind of the, the really fun part, really polished. So the point of this beta is, in my opinion, to uh, really hone in on the balance in the combat. And like I said, I think they released this one where they, you know, about where you want to release a beta. I think they have in mind what they're looking for is how does the turn-by-turn -turn combat actually feel, like what weapons need to come up and down and in, in their power, their range, uh, so, you know, things like that. So the game system itself, I will say this, and I do not say this lightly, the actual turn-by-turn combat system and the feel of the game i think is as good and probably be at least in my opinion up better than xcom 2 so and you think that's well that's kind of simple it's like a you know it's like a point and click kind of game you know it's like turn-based there's a lot going on in a given in a single round like a lot going on there's a whole lot more variables that you have to deal with that really kind of turn this into a three-dimensional chess game so it's not as simple as like move, find the right kind of find cover, and then shoot. Uh, it's there, there's several other things you're trying to manage while that's all going on. So basically, you, you do move. You want to put yourself in a position of advantage with terrain, uh, and the terrain has a lot of different effects on your mechs and their their ability to hit, be hit, to see, be seen, uh, and in some cases operate function better uh, for for. You know, very specific reasons. So terrain is a huge, huge piece. The um, so the heat is another big piece. That's a that's a resource you have to manage. So every time you you conduct an action, you're producing heat, either by moving, by using your jump jets, by your weapons. And some weapons are much run much hotter than others. And if you run too hot, you'll take damage and or shut down. So you got to manage that. You got to manage the stability of your mech because things these are like big walking tanks. So the harder you get hit, or or the more damage you've taken in certain areas, because you can 
know, the damage is very localized, uh, both visually and from a gameplay standpoint to, you know, legs, uh, left torso, right torso, center torso, head, right arm, left arm. Uh, so very, very localized. It's also sides, back, front, center. So if you start taking a lot of damage to your legs, uh, your, your mobility changes and your stability, like can your mech stay upright when it gets hit? Uh, so melee, you will make them, you know, it's a big physical force. It can make them a little bit unstable. So you take another hit. It can actually knock your, your mech onto the ground or into the water. Uh, and then there's a whole series of things you got to deal with on that one. So that's something you got to manage. And then the actual mechs and the pilots themselves bring a lot to the table. There's, I think maybe half or less of the actual mechs and variants that are in the beta that's going to be in the live live launch. Uh, and there's a lot. I mean, there's already a lot in the beta. And then the mechs, the mech warriors or the pilots, they've got different stats. They've got like a, a gunnery, piloting, tactics, and then like guts or something like, you know, something like that. So those four things are, are variables that can affect the performance of the mech as well. And then you've got some mech abilities like, you know, the ability, you know, like, hey, this this pilot is really good at dodging or this, you know, like it's a actual passive ability or an active ability that you can turn on and off in some cases. Um, so all those variables are going on. The actual gameplay itself, and there's, then there's like a power meter, like an inspiration meter. So if it pegs out, you can like select one of your mech warriors and they can they can get like a, you know, a really significant bonus to their ability to hit and strike crits, things like that. So you take all that and you add it into what is a seemingly very simple point click, you know, facing game. And it's pretty fun. It's a lot of, there's a lot of challenge to it. I think when they start going PVP, it's going to be pretty, pretty bomber. Uh, The AI is not real strong, but it also, my suspicion is they don't have it turned wide open either. Mostly because they're just trying to get a lot of data right now. Uh, they do have a fog of war function, and uh, your ability to gain like field of vision or line of sight dominance is also kind of big. So you use different types of mechs or different tactics to do that. I think that's one of the things they're going to adjust because the games right now, the maps are really big, but you don't see a lot of them, particularly initially, because I think the spawn points are artificially placed pretty close mostly to get you in the action really quick because I think they want a lot of combat data. But some people have explored the maps uh, with faster mechs. They just spread them out to the four winds and they see that the maps are actually like quite, quite large. And most people are only using a very small percentage of them right now here in the beta. So I think there's uh, there's a little bit going on with that. Again, my suspicion is they really want a lot of combat data, which makes sense. So they're taking it from the perspective of, you know, the actual mech combat needs to be really, really dialed in, which I appreciate. So all all that's going on, and, you know, the depth of the game is really good in terms of what you're getting. And all you're getting is just the uh, the PVE component of the game. That's it. Uh, they, they have tended that there will be a, a beta patch that, that may come out in a week or two that starts to unveil some of the PVP, but I think they want to get some weapon, some combat data first and maybe do a a tuning pass in beta before they do that. You don't see a lot of the, uh, or really any of the campaign pieces or the single player pieces, the mech lab or any of that kind of jazz. Because you do have to manage an economy in the game. You got to manage your personnel. You know, there's, there are some, you know, like, like I said, some ex commie sort of RPG things going on that you got to do, but that's that's not really what they're they're going for. So so far, my impressions are 
are very high. It's I knew they were going to turn out a good product from what I've been seeing from some videos and and some other um, other information they shared with us. But to be honest with you, it, it actually looks and it plays better than I thought it would. So uh, I'll keep you guys appraised of the beta. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see when when it goes full. I'll play it for about a week and I'll come back with a uh, a full Monty review and I probably will even write something on the blog for this. What? We're gonna get Jade right on the blog? Holy shit! Well, I, I might like dictate something on the blog. Oh, okay, okay. Well, even so, it's it's that was a really good review, man. I'm 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 pretty stoked with this, and and it sounds like everything you you were talking about, I I also kind of saw from kind of a lot of the videos they've been putting out. It's just the whole thing looks really really solid. Do they have plans for uh, opening up a beta to people who weren't like uh, backers from the start, or is anybody uh, getting into this now? Yeah, or? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think you can. I I can look into that. I. I I believe that there's a way that you can get into it because uh, they are looking for uh, Olympus. But this is a pretty big beta. I mean, for an indie game, this is a pretty big beta. They were talking about like you know twenty five thousand beta keys at one point. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Well, well, that's not just back. I mean, they they have beta keys for a variety of different things, but and I think they've they're talking about spreading them out. So I will. I will check and see if there's another way you can get into it, uh, you know, to hop in. I would recommend it, but you can absolutely hop on YouTube right now and, and get some pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good footage. It is kind of interesting because like when you watch some of the stuff with uh, the actual HBS guys playing the game and kind of explaining it, and then you watch random YouTube guy playing it, You'll be you'll yell at your TV like literally. I was doing it. I was doing it earlier today. Like even my my eight year old is like watching this one guy play, and he just kind of looks. You know, he looks over at me from his Harry Potter book, and he goes, "He's not that good, is he, Dad?" And I'm like, "No, he's not." <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it, it is kind of interesting. Um, but you'll you can pick up on some people that are actually quite good and uh, and are very familiar with the BattleTech uh, kind of universe, and. Each match is actually it's, they're longer than I thought. To be honest with you, it's to, it it's you know thirty minutes to pl- to play a single match. So you're you know that's about your time investment for a single four v four match right now, um, which is definitely longer than I thought it was going to be. To be honest with you, because most games generally you know last somewhere in the in the uh, ten to fifteen minute range, and in you know, most games that we play, that's sort of the the normal window of time. But these are these can absolutely go 30 minutes. Um, you can make them go a little faster depending on how, if you really get into a position of advantage and you, you work them over real well, or you get worked one of the two. Uh, but generally I would plan on about a 30 minute play time uh, per match, which is actually, you know, not a bad return on investment for this. All right, man. It sounds pretty solid. I think it's, it's a really, really great project. I think they did a great job with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually getting my hands on this as well. So, you know, moving forward, it'd be good to hear your, your further review as you, you get more involved with it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. You bet. All right, guys, I think we're probably good on time here. So let's go into some shout outs. And I know that Zell, we, we prepped him ahead of time. He's, he's had time. He's had over an hour now. So Zell, are you awake there, buddy? Yes. Okay. Shout out. Give it to me. All right, so I'm going to give a shout-out to um, a user on Reddit known as uh, Thanks and Buy, and that's THX underscore and underscore buy. Um, this man is a hero of the people, as he told me something I did not know, um, which is rare. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. On. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. So anyways, 
like a year and a half ago, most most people should remember if they listen to the show that um, one of my computers spontaneously lit on fire, um, which led to a great deal of panic for me. Um, I've been hi- hyper neurotic about fire safety ever since. I don't didn't really know what was responsible or why. I replaced the power supply. That computer still technically works, but I, would, I don't I leave it. On, I don't leave it on anymore. So much money to have watched your reaction it there was there was uh, oh there, my was, God. there was a lot of panic um it, it was a uh, quite a thing um and i was like getting ready for bed so i was very awake after that i couldn't go back to sleep but um a- anyways so i didn't really know what was responsible for it and i f- and uh, i somebody posted on reddit a picture of uh something where their computer had you know lit on fire and and this one guy was like, "Is it a mole? Is, is there a Molex to SATA adapter that was plugged into that?" And I'm like, and the guy was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, that's a thing." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! This is a thing. That was what that was what melted on mine too." And apparently, they're just really poorly made. And so, if you have a cheapy Molex to SATA adapter in your computer, there's a good chance it could spontaneously light on fire. So. I gilded that guy. I gave him gold. I'm, he has saved me $4 of stress at least right there because now I know what caused it and I can make sure that every single one of my computers does not have one of those stupid little adapters in it. All right. Good to know. <laughs> so don't don't buy that adapter and your computer will let out fire like Cells did. They come in like everything. Like if you get something with a SATA power plug on the back for a computer, a lot of times they'll come with that adapter just to be convenient, but they're really shoddy adapters. Great. Good to know. I'm, I'm going to have to tear my computer apart and make sure it's not going to, you know, ignite. All right, Bateman, you're up. Oh, boy, do I have a list of shout-outs. Oh, um, I'll be, try to be as quick as, as possible. Uh, so, uh, first off, fuck you, Assassin's Creed 3. Um, it's the free game I'm going through uh, this month, and it's just as bad as I remember, but we'll get to that uh, next week when it is my go. Just know that the game is terrible. Pokey said it earlier, skip three, go to four. Um, so covering for last week, I, I, I was out of town last week, and I, I just want to give a shout-out. I'm sure they're not listening. If they are, it's a fucking miracle. It's kind of weird, too. Um, to the, the, the guys uh, in, in a style of martial arts called Kung Nu, uh, they organize a training camp um, every year. Uh, for their students, and their grandmaster was kind enough to invite uh, myself and uh, two other instructors uh, from my school uh, to come and to train with them for uh, the weekend. Um, so it, they were just super nice and super uh, inviting uh, to somebody who takes a you know a, a style that's totally different from theirs. Uh, really cool people, and uh, those guys, dude, those guys got a fucking party. It was. Last week was awesome. Last Sunday night was crazy. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, really fantastic people. Good deal. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, shout outs. Um, let's see. I'm going to give myself a shout out because it's my birthday. Damn it, man. That's what I was going to go for. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, actually, right. Uh, actually, legit. I'll... I'll um, I will give a uh, I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Hairbrain Schemes. Uh, we kind of did that earlier with a bit of their preview. I, I think I think that's you know can't say enough about about those guys. Really good dudes. They put out great products. Uh, they Kickstarter right, uh, and they they have actually shown people how to, that you can make uh, high quality stuff for 
not a lot of high quality money in some cases. Uh, so that's a good thing. And, and a shout out to uh, the Grim Reaper for taking a fucking break this week uh, from not, not whacking too many of my, uh, my childhood heroes or, uh, you know, people I have fond memories of. So I, I, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, so I think that's it for the week, brother. All right. Um, since Jay took my, my happy birthday wishes to him, because it is International Jay Day, it's recognized in 47 countries as Jay's birthday. Um, yes. I, will, <laughs> I will give my shout out to the team that put together Resident Evil 7. Um, just again, I can't sing enough praise about that game. Fantastic experience. I, I Very few games make me want to rush out and buy the DLC immediately. Um, and I was just like, I just, I just want more of this. I don't even care what it is. I'll, I'll pay what it takes it to, to get more of this. So you know, it's big shout out to those guys. They, they really turned their series around, and uh, I'm just very impressed overall. So good stuff. Uh, but yeah, that being said, guys, um, we didn't have enough time to go into our, our Project Nova discussion. We were just kind of running long on time. Lots of good discussion, but we will touch on that next week. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, risk reward system that they're kind of working on, and I knew it would spark a ton of discussion. I didn't want to send this into another two-hour episode and and freak Zell out. So we'll, we'll save that one for next week. So you can look forward to that. Uh, but yeah, if there's anything you want us to discuss, you want to be on the show, any games you want us to play, uh, I am looking for suggestions for the next Dungeon Crawl game to play once I finish the Resident Evil 7 DLC. So if you have any suggestions, please let us know. I'd be glad to, to you know consider that one. So uh, that being said, guys, uh, please have a safe, uh, safe week out there and uh, yeah, have a good night.